This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I'm really trying to get away from this. Really, it's become insane. The national news cycle of just the cable news screaming at us night and day, it really smacks of propaganda. It cannot be because people want to hear it. It can't be to give information. There is just a frenzy of uh, uh, just screeching so you can't think straight anymore. So I've kind of tuned out of that, and I want to get to deeper stuff again. And always I like to go to the libertarian principles, and there are some issues where even libertarians can disagree. And one of these issues, and I have actually moved around uh, of this, is to have uh, the death penalty if, uh, if, if it's okay or not. And for me, I feel like, First of all, I changed my mind on it because there has been a um, I just feel like the government's basically been hijacked by people who do not have our best interests at heart. And when they are allowed to set the laws that determine treason or whatever and also prosecute the death penalty, we may be in danger because we can't trust our government anymore. And that's why I've changed my thinking. But. I also like to think of things our government does as things I should be able to do. So I eat meat and I feel like I should be confident that I could kill an animal. If I'm willing to eat meat, I should feel like I can kill an animal. And I do. I feel like I could. I haven't, I don't think, but I mean, I flushed a goldfish, but (laughs) after it was dead. So, but I, and I also feel like I could shoot somebody who is attacking me or attacking somebody else without remorse and without hesitation. I could definitely do that. But the, the death penalty case that happened last week and the one that's going to happen in April here in Georgia, it's been 20 years since the murder. I don't, do not have sympathy for, for these guys. Uh, but I feel like the i could i could i be the one to put that needle in the arm and i i just feel like i couldn't do it because the way i look at government is it's an extension of self defense and at that point i feel like there are alternatives uh and i hate to get kind of emotional about what i think are black and white issues But here's, uh, let me read a post from Brad. He puts this comment on my website. I have uh, a review on my website called The Thin Blue Line. Uh, It's about a documentary where this guy was on death row and he definitely did not do it. And he finally got off, but he was, you know, an hour away or a day away several times. He was on death row for years. Here's what Brad says. Uh, Not only do I agree with those who would not give the power of execution to government, which invariably, inevitably misuses all the powers given to it, but I also think that killing a caged man is morally wrong. 
no matter whether we do it ourselves or hire government agents to do it. It's not that we believe that some good will come from that wicked soul we spare, but that the hearts we harden enough to shoot a man in a cage are our own hearts. And uh, he says, I don't wish to legislate or force anyone to show mercy. I would just persuade you to be careful not to sear your hearts upon the flames of anger and vengeance. It's a warning sign against damaging your own soul. And I and I feel like if you're, I mean, you could say that about uh, learning how to use a gun. You know, people put emotional stuff on that. Uh, but I personally think that I can completely get my mind around defensive situation, having a gun, using a gun, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to this, what what are we really talking about? And one of the things we're really talking about is, is this really uh, a self-defense act? And I, I read a great article that laid out both the justifications for capital punishment and the objections to it. One, the first justification of any punishment, of the state being responsible for punishment, historically, morally, uh, in our kind of Judeo-Christian heritage, in parallel with the state, which is separate. The one is, the very first one that he listed was rehabilitation. Now, I do not think that's number one. I think number one would be what he listed as second, which is defense against the criminal. But rehabilitation, if you kill somebody, what could possibly the rehabilitation impact be? And he brought out an interesting point. The rehabilitation impact is that oftentimes these guys uh, save their souls on the way to the chair, that they see the light, that it prompts reconciliation because they do know the day and the hour. Also, another argument was that it stops them from committing other crimes. So uh, that's uh, I think that's a little a bit of a stretch. But here's the other one. The defense against the criminal is the, to me, the biggest one. But jail is so effective now. That's what John Paul II said. And no, I don't know of any Catholic who said, Pope Francis seems to break the mold, but who has said that capital punishment is wrong. Morally, never okay. But what John Paul II said was that it's never necessary because we can always defend against the the criminal. So do you think that's right? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Is it ever necessary for defense against the criminal? Uh, the next, the here I think the next one is an extension of deterrent, of, of defense, which is deterrence. If it actually deters people, I remember watching old movies, gangster movies, my father used to like to watch gangster movies, and they would say, you know, you, they would have henchmen, underlings, do the killing because they didn't want to risk the death penalty. So it seemed like a very common deterrent back then. Now that it takes 20 years to die and very few people actually get the death penalty, I don't know how much of a, of a deterrent it could really be. But here's the, here's the fourth, and I think the most difficult to get my mind around. He says that... It is justifiable for the state to want retribution as opposed to revenge. That retribution makes the, you know, meets out balance in the world. And vengeance is bloodlust, and you have to be careful that you're not really after vengeance. But it's hard for me to really make that distinction. 
unless you're talking about genuine retribution. Now, if it makes the, the victim's family feel better or the victim feel better, if there are psychic benefits, I do not begrudge them that. They, as far as I'm concerned, they own that guy's life. So they could do what they want with it. But is there, can they actually compensate? Does it compensate them? And I, I feel like that, that might have been the origin in the first place of slavery, that if somebody wronged you, and you basically owned their lives or they took away your breadwinner. Could you force them to work and and make you whole? I feel like that is is a more justifiable retribution function than the than the death penalty straight up. However, I as far as the victim and the victim's family goes, I do not begrudge them the right to dispose of that person any way they like. I just feel like that does can skirt the line with uh, revenge. I'm going to go to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Carol in Kennesaw. Hi, Carol. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I called uh, because of your screener. I told her I had a family member who was murdered, and it was a capital murder, you know, death penalty case. Yeah. And we used it as leverage. And that I'm not pro-death penalty, but I understood what they were going for. And after several months, it came to the point where, all right, if we agree to a bench trial, will you take the murder penalty off of it, the death penalty off? And I said, absolutely. I was so quick on it. My brothers looked at me and said, why are you agreeing to this? And I said, a judge is going to rule by the facts. We're not going to have a jury who's going to put emotions in it. I said, it's going to be the facts, and they're going to rule. The judge ruled within 15 minutes. Oh, really? Um, and it was crystal clear? Is, he has life plus life plus 20 years for what he did. And that's fine. His, his mother gets to go still see him. But it's a leverage tool, and I think it's because it is part of a tool that we have to use. If you don't have that sitting there saying, you can lose your life for this. Yeah, that's, that, to me, that weighs, that's enough to tip the scales for me, what you're saying. Right. You know, I, I would still take... Now the direction that the government is going to have a capital uh, crime for treason, unless it actually results in uh, danger to American citizens, I I am super nervous about the government having that ability. But I can see what you're saying, and, and certainly it could get somebody to tell you details or to confess. Which who's going to confess? These guys, I, the guy who died this week, confessed. That seems surprising to me that someone would confess. You know, I feel like they'd almost always trade the death penalty for the closure of a confession. Well, it just—it kind of struck me odd because I'm driving home and I, the same thing happened ten years ago when this trial was going on, and our trial went on for five to seven years because there was constantly the judge's father's died, his attorney had an issue, another attorney had an issue, and this trial went to seven years before it was actually tried. So this young man got to hit in his upper 20s by the time he went to trial. At what point was the death penalty off the table in that seven-year period? It wasn't until that last week. In the end. And that's why I'm saying I was not a proponent of the death penalty because of my own personal faith. But I understood what we were doing with it. And I was hoping that this person would realize. And I knew the facts were solid. There was no way he was going to get around this, you know, it was just, it was a slam dunk, but it was the death penalty that was going to get them to boom. The That's very, that very interesting. The months ended up being four days, and 
like I said, decision was... Yeah, just in and out. I, I have got to cut to a break, but that was very interesting to use it as leverage because, again, I don't have a moral problem with it in the strict sense of the word. I just worry about the government being, uh, you know, responsible for it, but... And maybe that's why so few actually happen because it's such a good leverage tool. Let's continue this conversation. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're talking about the death penalty. I'm going to your calls. Donnie in Athens, you're on with Monica Perez. Hello. Hey, Donnie. Hey, how are you? Um, I was driving home. I was- I uh, enjoy your show. I try to listen to it every Saturday or every Saturday that I get. It's uh, refreshing. I have a lot of libertarian leanings myself. Uh, but as far as the death penalty goes, I don't really think it's about revenge as much as it is um, justice. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think there are certain crimes that are committed that are so heinous that the only way for you to recompense that or to pay for that is with your life. Um, to me, it's not even about a deterrent. It's about um, balancing the scales out. There's been several cases like uh, a few years ago, I, this fellow by the name of Stephen Cooey broke into a guy's house. A guy, I don't know how far he lived from there, but he took their little pair of six or seven-year-old daughter and um, I think he molested her, and then after he got through with her, he was scared he was going to get caught. So he proceeded to dig a hole, and he put the little girl in there and buried her alive. He yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I get that. I really do, and I, and that's why I won't say it's morally wrong. And and there is that there is this moral tenet about. The retribution being different from vengeance and having justice in the system. And that is why I don't fall for the, or I don't subscribe to the idea of, you know, the strict uh, culture of life, innocent life. Yes. I want to continue this conversation after the break. Uh, the high today is 64 and the low overnight is 43. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. So stay tuned to that uh, all weekend because it could change. And I do want to continue this conversation about uh, the death penalty. And it is, I want to explore Donnie's point about it is truly about justice. And that is liberty and justice for all. I can I can grasp that as the one true thing that the state is there for. So let's uh, continue this. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, trying to dig into some real issues on which even Libertarians can disagree. And one of them is the death penalty issue. I've got some great calls lined up. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The uh, my biggest problem really with the death penalty, and I never had any problem with the death penalty at all, is that I don't trust the government at all anymore. Like I used to think that the 
that government being totally, completely corrupt was just a theoretical probability, but we weren't there yet. But now I think we're there. And I saw a crazy video I posted on my website, monicaperezshow.com, of a of this technology they have where a camera, you can put a camera on your face and take like a YouTube video or news report and you can make facial expressions and talk and stuff and the person on the screen will look to be doing what you're doing. So they showed George W. Bush or Vladimir Putin making funny faces like the student with the camera. And I realized, and I also saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes where, I mean, it was effectively a cartoon, but it looked completely real. And I realized that there is, you know, at a certain level of corruption with this kind of technology, you don't have to worry about them reading your emails or figuring out what you're up to. They could just invent stuff. They could literally invent stuff at this point that, that I'm not even afraid anymore of what I write because it doesn't matter. <laughs> they could, it doesn't have to be real. So now that I do think is not in the here and now, certainly in no kind of pervasive way, maybe in super, super, you know, psychological operations at the highest levels, but I'm not really afraid of that in the, in the minute to minute thing, but I am beginning to feel like the government is, is, is what do they call that? Like a pathological government. It's against the interests of, of what they're supposed to serve. It's against the people, not for the people. And that's why I just don't like them having that power. But morally, I really don't have a problem with it. I'm going to go to Scott in Virginia. Hi, Scott. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. You raise a big subject. One is uh, um, prosecutorial misconduct needs to be put in its place. The prosecutor would have to uh, uh, fill the shoes of anybody they falsely convict of uh, uh, capital punishment. And they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. Because it's really attempted murder, you know? No, it isn't attempted murder. It is murder. And to send somebody to jail for 20 years for a crime they didn't yes, commit... Yes, it's taking their life. That's, yeah. that's another thing. We need, to, we need to stop sending criminals to stand up and say, yeah, I killed that man. Uh, and, um, you know, we send them to jail for less time than people to, who pro- proclaim they're innocent, and 30 years later they find out they're really innocent. We need to stop that kind of... Uh, uh, differentiation between people who say, yeah, I did it, meaning he'd do it again, and somebody who says he's innocent. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what the reason is, you know, they shouldn't get more time. But I also think that somebody goes, um, I, w- I want to start the conversation, that somebody that goes to jail for 20 years, you know, he ought to get the death penalty. As soon as he's sentenced for 20 years, he goes, goes, to, uh, uh, goes to the electric chair, because he's proven his uh, disservice to society. He's not going to be any good for anything for the rest of his life. I and- think I think the way that the reason there is such a delay is that we have an even higher standard for putting people oh. to death. Oh, I think we ought to pursue the highest standard, but I think it ought to be end, ended at five years. At the end of five years, you can you do it. go to jail. Go, you need to go to, uh, go to the grave. And... The and high, what's the purpose? Up there, but not not drag it out for twenty years. Scott, let's define the purpose. Is you, is the purpose of doing that to save money, to deter, to defend? Is it this concept of retribution, where a just society needs to uh, deliver punishment? Well, the problem is the uh, death penalty is not is not retribution. 
because it's it's the end of the problem. That's that's all the death penalty is, and that's the reason I say after twenty years, criminals that go to jail for twenty years need to need to just go away. They just need to die because you're putting the you're putting the prison in jeopardy because the only thing they can do is think about escape. You know, the guards in jeopardy. They all they all they do is think about escape. You put the society outside the prison in jeopardy because once they escape, what are you going to do? Send them back to jail so they can do any crime, kill anybody. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So you know, there's a whole there's a whole raft of things that go with this, but but we need to you know. The death penalty protects society from further injustices, and we need, you know, we need to stop this thing where um, justice delayed is just denied. We need, we need to bring justice to a head. Yeah, the um, delays, the delays certainly, I think, work against the idea that this is a deterrent because people feel like it's never really going to happen. It also makes it feel less like a defensive measure as these guys get older and 20 years pass and they commit no additional crimes. Granted, they're on a death row, which may mean that they're totally in solitary. I don't know what the details are with that, but it does seem to diminish the argument. But there are arguments for and against. I've got a few coming up. Let's talk to uh, Daniel in Powder Springs. Hey, Daniel, you're on with Monica. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I was uh, thinking from a purely libertarian standpoint, I see jail as a kind of place for violent criminals, people who have proven that they cannot be with the general population. Yes, it's required to defend, you know, it is part of our collective self-defense. Right, and for that reason, I could see a justification maybe for criminals who are already there who have proven that they are too violent or too dangerous to be in that population. I could Interesting. Say, commit murder in jail. Yeah, because if you have not been sentenced to death, but somebody kills you in jail, <laughs> you know, the, if you, especially when so many people in jail are there for drug crimes, which I consider to be not a valid reason to incarcerate somebody, right. then if that person is at risk from a violent criminal, then, then yeah, what do you do? Build another prison, and which is also more expensive. So if the practical answer, but here's the thing, I've been looking to try to get the statistics on all this kind of stuff, and 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 it's just such a divisive issue that it seems like only one side or the other they can come up it's like gun control which if you dig into that in this country more guns do defend lives there is i i i'm convinced that the evidence is squarely more guns less crime but with this it's hard to tell what what is the practical answer because the arguments come from, you know, are so biased. I think it, it's, yeah. you could just answer the question. But I like your idea that it's only for people who have proven. But how do you prove it? By killing somebody in jail? Right. I think that would have to be the thing. It had to be a, some sort of second trial. But I think definitely I, I don't think you can find much justification to give the government the sort of power where on a one-off thing they can put you to death. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable giving the government that much power for yeah that's the thing i think the government has proven that they cannot be trusted with any kind of power that isn't totally uh that we can't push right back against so that's why i feel like we're it's out of our control the prosecutors the legislators the courts 
they're all government entities. And I did like, I think it was Carol who called and said that it does give leverage to the victims and to the system against these guys. And maybe if you do it very rarely in cases where it's 100 percent positive, maybe it you the right way to look at it is not just a cost benefit analysis on a case by case basis, but on the tremendous maybe deterrent effect or uh, how it makes the system work better. I mean, th- these are things I think you could actually have an answer to if you could trust the person who's doing uh, the analysis. I'm going to Todd and Gwinnett. Hi, Todd. You're on with Monica. Hey, good afternoon. I love love the topic, love the show. Um, I guess I'm kind of unique, I guess, from a, a public perspective. I'm, I'm a person of faith and a libertarian. I know uh, there's a bunch of us out here, but, you know, the, the average libertarian is thought of as a godless person who... You know, just want the government out of their life. Um, I, I my, the way I reconcile it is, I don't have a problem taking a life if I'm protecting life. If I'm if someone's breaking in my house, I can I can definitely put that person down. If I'm in the military, yeah, I have no problem to, with that. And I need to kill somebody, I can do that. But but my problem as a person of faith is, if someone is in custody and they're rotting away in prison, I just think that. In my opinion, we should just let God, whatever God is ready to take that person, let him take that person. Yeah, I got a tweet I, I, from Brad saying, you know, to kill a caged animal is not necessary in this day and age. You don't need to. If you've got the cage, you can leave them in there. It's Absolutely. I, I just, I think we're being God when we kill people like that. Yeah, like and I, said, I would say, you know, I can look at the money thing. What if, you know, if it costs $10 million to keep somebody like that in jail and it costs... $10,000 to perfectly execute the death penalty, would I, I would consider that an argument in favor of the death penalty, but it's not like that because the costs are pushed up because society is so, you know, I, uh, ambivalent about the issue that they just beat it to death and let it drag on for years and years and years so that the cost-benefit analysis is unclear. Well, I think as a person... Like I said, as a person of faith, I look at that person as a soul. Now I know they are there; they have a black heart. A lot of them do. Uh, I think about those two two men that broke into that uh, house in Connecticut and tied the poor little teenage girl down and, and and burned the house down. I mean, that's that's those those guys should never see the light of day. No. But at the same time, just lock them away for the rest of their life. Maybe they will, you know, find God while during this time. But what about the family of those victims? What if they? need retribution could you say it's up within certain parameters it could be up to the victim that that victim i feel like the victim's family basically owns that person's life well i mean i, I you know they're locked away they're not they're not committing any more crimes i understand that that, that they're probably i mean i'm, I'm sure the family that the, the father who lost his, his wife and daughters you know would like to see that uh and, and again i want you know I hope I'm never put in that situation. Yeah. But they're locked away. I mean, they're. they're I know, God, but I do. God, I I God have sympathy for that. That's you know, if they need a, if they need retribution, I, not revenge, I guess, but it just seems like a. You know, I'm trying to suss out the distinction between revenge and retribution, and if you just feel like it, it, it there is no justice without basically an eye for an eye you know that's what we're really saying which i always thought you know we've supposedly done away with that but i always thought it wasn't even good enough because an eye for an eye doesn't make you whole at all so maybe that's the point is like there is no 
real benefit unless that guy, you know, maybe can actually give you some compensation. Uh, Mike, hang on. I'm going to get you after the break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It is 61 degrees outside the studio, sunny and breezy today. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And we're carrying on with our uh, discussion of the death penalty. It's uh, last week someone was put to death here in Georgia. Another person will be put to death in April. And uh, to me, it's a very nuanced issue. Even libertarians can disagree. So I'm going to take your calls, 404 872 one eight hundred WSB Talk. I'm going to Mike. Mike, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. This is absolutely a black and white issue. The answer is no. Death penalty is not necessary anymore. And not only is it not necessary anymore, I personally fear a government that is powerful enough to play God. Not that they don't already and can't already, but play God in a public forum with people. Stand, standing by saying, oh, this is good, this is the government protecting us, because the oligarchy, the oligarchy is real, people. Listen to me. I'm not part of the oligarchy. I'm fully aware of this. I don't get to make decisions about the, the future of my nation like I wish I could, because I'm not part of the ruling class, the elites of America. And it would not be hard, because you can see now how divided our nation is on many topics, so let's just bring up guns. How divided are we on guns in America? So take the oligarchy, and they decide, hey, we need to whipsaw these two major groups against each other, which abortion slash uh, death penalty slash gun rights would all fall into a great category to whipsaw two classes of people or groups of people against each other. So you start with one. You say, hey, we have the iron fist. Death penalty is fully enforceable for the protection of people. And under that guise, then we go and we whipsaw the other group of people against the, the pro-death penalty people and take away their guns. So now not only do we have the right to fully enforce the death penalty, whoever, whenever, however, and we rapid, you know, rapidly expedite the process, no less, to help save money, and then we take the guns away from all the other half, and then now we've got people with no guns and people with no rights, and everybody who the oligarchy, was, must I say oligarchy enough, <laughs> Google oligarchy, and so now the oligarchy decides, hey, this group of people are trouble for us. Okay, well, Mike, now that was... taken away their guns, and we've taken away their, their due process, and we're just going to wipe them out. That is quite a... I mean, that's beyond a mind vitamin. That is basically a worldview that uh, I do fear that. I don't, uh, I, I don't think you're crazy. I think that you're more right than wrong if you're wrong at all. I, you know, the black and white thing, I, I don't think this particular issue is black and white, but you bring up an excellent point, which is those people that the oligarchs and the government, they are above the law. I just look at that John Corzine issue where that guy never even went to trial. And in my mind, I mean, he he engaged in so much criminal activity and he was just completely above the law. You should Google that. But you gave me a lot to chew on. I've got lots more calls. 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Getting more of this issue after the break. This is Monica Perez. 